Hello, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of the Fast Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Roach. This podcast series is brought to you by the Farmed Animal Antimicrobial Stewardship Initiative, or FAST for short. The FAST initiative exists to provide farmed animal owners and veterinarians with the news, tools, and resources that you need to help prevent antimicrobial resistance through improved stewardship. So this podcast series is really all about showcasing conversations with practicing veterinarians that work with farmed animals. In each episode, we're discussing how antimicrobial resistance impacts them, what antimicrobial stewardship looks like in daily practice, and really their views on the challenges and potential solutions to reducing our reliance on antimicrobials moving forward. Today's conversation focuses on the Ontario beef industry and what antimicrobial resistance and stewardship looks like from a veterinary standpoint. So my colleague Dr. Dan Schock and I got together with Van Mitchell and Peter Kotsif to talk a little bit more. So without further ado, let's get into it. All right, well welcome guys, thanks for helping us out with this project. So basically for everyone, we've been sitting down and just uh, having them go through a little bit about, can you tell us about who you are? So start out with your name, uh, your vet, where you've practiced, what species you focus on, and what, what production uh, aspects of this, the species that you practice on, and how long you've been doing it for. So Peter, if you could just tell us a little bit about you. Peter Kotsef, I practice exclusively in Ontario. Um, the last half of my practice experience has just been in uh, Beef animals, uh, all aspects, feedlot, backgrounding, and cow-calf. And I'm focusing more on the cow-calf aspect and as well as my own operations, which are, is a cash cropping and cow-calf operation. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to integrate the cattle in to improve soil health and using the uh, aspects of soil health, such as cover crops and so on, to, to reduce my, my cost on my cow herd. Okay. Nice. So how many animals would you have then, Peter? I run about 200 cows. 200 cows. And I run them right through and I finish the calves or I'll sell them as you think. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's really enjoyable. Very interesting. Definitely, definitely keeps you busy. Absolutely. Okay. Van! <laughs> yeah, so I'm Van Mitchell and uh, I've been uh, here in Ontario working with Metzger Vet Services. I'm in my ninth year here now. Um, I grew up in the western states out in Utah on a cow-calf ranch and feed yard and farm. And uh, yeah, I've been here in my ninth year working pretty well exclusively with beef cattle. Um, we do have a, a swine division in our practice as well, but I do exclusively beef cattle, feed yard and cow-calf, mm -hmm. so. So another thing we've been asking a lot of practitioners that have been out and that have the level of experience that you guys have is, so antibiotic resistance so the ability of bacteria to you know live and divide and, and survive in the presence of the drugs that are supposed to kill them so how do you see that affecting your day-to-day -day practice and maybe more in a, in a broader sense how do you see that affecting practice in general most of the antibiotics used in the beef industry is in one particular segment mm -hmm. it's that first move the first move from the ranch of, from the farm of origin and usually it's a, 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 a calf to the next the next level. Mm -hmm. That's where the vast majority of our health problems occur, or death loss, or sickness, or chronics, and also that's where the vast majority of antibiotics are used. Mm -hmm. So I think the talk will focus on management ideas and other mm -hmm. ideas 
in, in that in that relatively narrow context. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Peter. I think that's where it has to focus in the in the beef industry. So when you, when you're looking at uh, that high risk area, do, do do you think right now as as we see, do you think resistance is impacting health there? Maybe I'll, I'll throw that to you, Matt, to, to start. What, what do you do? You, do you think it's playing a role right now? With with making that move yeah. from the cow, from you see the clinical effects. Maybe that's that might be a better way to. Um, I'd say in my experience so far, it's been case by case. Mm-hmm. I've seen a few groups of cattle that um, we have a difficult time treating mm-hmm. pneumonia with, uh, and then lab tests show that we do have some antibiotic resistant strains. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say in general, we we get very good response to most of our antibiotics still, mm-hmm. but we have had the exceptions and, and they are worrisome and they're really quite, yeah, they're, they're very worrisome when we do get those when mm-hmm. we can't seem to, to get it under control and then we find the lab, sh- the lab shows us how many antibiotics that this strain is resistant to. So fortunately, right now I would say they're, they're few and far between and mm-hmm. we wanna do what we can to keep it that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree with Ben. I think that we were very fortunate in our industry. We still have, you know, a, a degree of antibiotics that are effective against our specific diseases. However, the general trend, and you know, we're seeing more data coming from maybe the U.S. and so on, where the trend is a, 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 a slow but perceptible increase, both in our animal health costs mm-hmm. as far as treating the animals and a trend to increase uh, death, loss, mortalities, and, 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 and sicknesses. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that we're seeing as well in these higher-risk calves is the, um, there's a wider range of uh, disease outcomes. Mm-hmm. So especially if you're trying to uh, do a profit and loss on these animals, yes. we're getting a range where we have some groups give us very few troubles and other groups just fall apart on us. Mm-hmm. So but, Yeah, that follows from one of the points yeah, that Dan yeah. brought up. Yeah, totally. So, you know, my, my focus since my inception basically is to um, make producers aware that we are fortunate to have good antibiotics. We also have good vaccines, mm-hmm. but there's only so much that we can do with those. Mm-hmm. Really, if we start focusing on other issues, on management issues and pr- procurement areas, maybe we can use less antibiotics, save ourselves money, reduce our, our, our health, health costs as far as death loss, and, uh, and and chronics, and also keep our, our effective antibiotics uh, for a longer period of time. So you met, you mentioned some management strategies. So in that really high risk period for for beef cow, uh, Peter, what are some of, in, in the perfect world? What what do we do to really mitigate the the risks or the need to use antibiotics? Well, I think that's probably one reason that Van and I are here. Mm-hmm. You know, we are the consulting vets for. Uh, group of calf clubs that have been going on for uh, for over a decade and uh, we've tracked about 50,000 calves over the years mm. and um, uh, basically by taking a group of calves and lowering their risk factors uh, and in, in our in our groups that's done by uh, total herd vaccination protocol mm-hmm. uh, we vaccinate the calves twice with a combination of killed and, and uh, live vaccines and we ensure that the cow herd is also properly vaccinated. And uh, these calves also, thanks to the, the sales barn that we work with, does a very good job in handling and pre-sorting these calves in a, in a mm-hmm. manner that is, that is not stressful. 
So these calves essentially are in their pasture of origin one afternoon, and then they're in the, the buyer's yard the next the next afternoon. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, our health results, um, you know, are over over the decades. Our death loss is uh, 0.3 percent. That's, that's three per thousand, and our cull rate is 0.3 percent. Mm -hmm. And our pull rate, depending on the uh, protocol, uh, ranges from five to 10 percent, depending if there's a metaphytic antibiotic used or not. Okay. Peter, just to follow up on that, you, you say 10 years or so you've been tracking that? Actually, I don't want to say how many years it is because I've been, I was the, the, the founding consultant. <laughs> I think, I think it's 16 years. Wow. Oh my goodness. So, so what sort of trends have you seen over that period of time? Like what's had some, some significant impact over that period of time in terms of preconditioning programs or, or the use of backgrounding, you know, what's more common now in having results? Well, I think, you know, um, Preconditioning programs uh, are difficult to implement in our in our practice area, mm -hmm. uh, simply because a preconditioning program means weaning that calf for a period of time, 30 days, 60 days, whatever, and it just does not work with our producers. So essentially, we cannot tell producers what to do. We can just see what what we have to work with, mm -hmm. and, and and do the best we can with it. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's not a, it's a it's a vaccination program and an animal health you know, an animal handling pro program. Okay. Um, man, do you have any, any other, any yeah, other comments so, on that? So I've just been part of this group uh, for two years, and la I can speak to last year's data. Uh, we at Metzger Vet, we also do a survey from our, for our clients mm -hmm. and check and see calf health through the fall run. Last year we got results on about 35,000 head of cattle, and then when we compare those numbers, so we've got Western cattle that we group into, we've got Easterns and locals that we group into, and then we've got the these calf clubs. Mm -hmm. So three separate groups. And last year, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think the pull rate for the calf clubs were 3.5% pull rate. Wow. And that was better than the Westerns, which were around right. five, and the Easterns, which was around 10. So to me, that really showed, because Westerns, Western cattle have the the reputation for being the most healthy and then last year again mm -hmm. it's you know it was my well my second year really being a part of this but those numbers were really hard to argue for mm -hmm. how well these okay. guys are doing by preconditioning well by by setting these calves up for good health when they're weaned and put into the feed yard i also want to add that you know we really are the last i would say the last five six eight years we're sort of in a benign period as far as animal health Okay. concern in this in this class of animals okay. you know when these calves club started you know we were just uh, in the midst of a type 2 pvd outbreak that was devastating Ontario right. right. herds right. yeah. and uh and then we moved shortly after that into uh this mutated mycoplasma issue mm. where we had a whole bunch of problems with these chronic pneumonias and arthritis cases yeah. and at that time the differential between both the price differential and the health differential between run-of-the-mill calves and these calves that were properly vaccinated and handled in an appropriate manner was was significant. Was was the, the spread was wider. We didn't say significant. Yeah, yeah. That's the wrong yeah. phrase. Yeah. It was wider, wider, wider spread. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So, what do you think holds back some producers from doing some of these things, these uh, management practices, uh, Peter? So you've been working at it for you know 10, 10 Let's let's call it ten years. 
What, what do you think is going through some producers' uh, mind that, that aren't into this? You know, I think, I mean, I don't know for sure. Yeah. My, my, my gut feeling is, is that the issue is, is that uh, relatively small herds in our, in our practice area. Mm-hmm. Uh, the age of producers is creeping up. I would suggest they're in the 60s is the average age mm-hmm. and facilities. Mm-hmm. And so um, even though they might perceive that it's worthwhile, uh, as far as a dollars and cents point of view, they just might not be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that's, that has helped us is that, uh, you know, the Metzger Vet Services has a very good and dedicated processing crew. Nice. And a lot of our producers are, are making use of this, uh, mm-hmm. this service and are keeping them in the business a lot longer. Really? So that, I think that has been a really good addition to, uh, has helped these calf clubs tremendously. Awesome. So what, what kind of services is, are offered through the, the processors, uh, your processing crew then? Uh, yeah. yeah, so those guys, um, they've, that's their career choice. So mm-hmm. they're, this is their profession and they take pride in doing their job. And so these guys um, of our crews, we have numerous different facilities we can haul. We've got um, hydraulic chute and tubs, and so mm-hmm. we can. Those guys can fit those into about any facility, and uh, figure out a way to get them in. And so um, we, uh, with our processing crews there, we vaccinate. Um, you know, and and if I'm there, we can preg check. We can vaccinate and preg check these cows at the same time. Um, and uh, you know about anything that needs to be processed we have the facilities and the manpower and the veterinarians to do mm-hmm. so works really well and I agree with Peter that it's probably extended the the uh, the life of a lot of these cow calf producers because mm-hmm. that's that's a heck of a job sometimes to do mm-hmm. that they don't have the help or the skilled people to do it you know mm-hmm. these guys are real cattlemen and so they can they can run these cattle through and process them very very effectively. Yeah, the days of getting a neighbor and his son over to help are long gone. <laughs> yeah, are long gone. Well, I was just pointing out to Steve on the drive up. We passed a farm that I uh, I processed a, uh, a few with some cattle at, and I you oh, you walk on the bar uh, farm and you look for the facilities and there really isn't any. You have to pinch in between a gate. That yeah. really is not habit forming, is yeah. it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> As I say, we we practice in a, in our geographical area that area that is the reality, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know? totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. You talked about dollars and cents, Peter. So, do you want to touch on a little bit about uh, marketing these calves and and, uh, and the economics of things for producers? Well, I can give, just give you some general principles and general ideas. Yeah, that's that's all. And. Uh, um, Essentially, I think one of the one of the problems with trying to um, develop th- these programs is that an individual producer he might do everything right. He might castrate his calves, dehorn them, vaccinate them properly, even double vaccinate them, do his cow herd, and then he goes to offer them for sale. And they go into if they go into a regular sale, there might be 30, 40, 50 calves mm-hmm. of all different sizes. You know, mm-hmm. you know, already steers and heifers and different mm-hmm. weight ranges. Mm-hmm. So the buyer comes in. And he, he sees them. He might say, yeah, that's good that these calves are vaccinated and so on and so forth. But I'm going to buy a handful of these and put them in with a general group. I cannot pay any extra for them. So really what's made these cl- clubs beneficial both to, to the producer and the buyer is that we provide sufficient numbers of calves that arrive healthy and stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that our surveys reinforces that. 
But uh, when buyers come here, they can go and they can they can fill at least fill their pens or fill part of their pens. Nice. Again, in the Ontario context. Okay. The numbers aren't huge for other other geographic areas, but for here, if a buyer can come here and, and get 100 or 200 calves over the four sales, mm -hmm. that it at least helps them fill a pen up. Okay. And the, and so that's so that's the one thing. So it, mm -hmm. it helps market these calves okay. and uh, because the buyers are getting sufficient calves that they can actually keep these groups separate we've got it we've developed over the years a reputation because these buyers follow the follow these calves mm -hmm. and yes they tell us that they are um, uh, they, they're they're less health risk and so nice. and so they are they are paying more mm -hmm. nice and you know Nancy Nancy Necker who just retired from uh, Omafra she every year she would do a, a survey or Maybe not every year, but on a regular basis, she would do a survey comparing the, the, the sale prices of our calves on these special sales and mm -hmm. regular run mill calves, and the uh, and the value is often in that twenty to thirty cent pound premium. Wow, that's like it's a it's a much higher premium that than is quoted in other parts of, of North America. Wow. And again, this is a this is a unique sort of. Uh, area and really that's what this talk is is for basically to talk about our our area for sure and our beef practice in ontario oh yeah we're really we focusing on what we can do in ontario yes. to, to yeah. optimize health sure. make health better sure yeah one of the things i was curious about guys we've been asking sort of veterinarians throughout is how, how much your clients actually bringing up the notion of resistance is it is it on is it top of mind is it part of the conversation that you're having here and there you know to what extent is it is it part of a discussion with with your clients i'll let fan think about it because it's a tough question yeah so yeah. i'll just start first and maybe you can give a more coherent answer mm -hmm. i don't think resistance is sort of the freight the, the thought process in our clients mm -hmm. what i think they're they're seeing is they're saying you know what we're not we're not getting the response that we think we should and our, our cost of treating calves is getting higher mm -hmm. and um, um, when is can we, is there another drug we can use mm -hmm. and I think that's where you know maybe Van and I can go and say you know what the products we have are the products we have we're probably not going to get newer ones exactly. let's let's see if we can't do other things to um, 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 keep these products viable longer mm -hmm. and the other and the other issue is I think that we that we can do is say you know there are other areas that we should maybe talk about and focus on mm -hmm. and uh, not just for animal resistance which is the big picture but also to reduce your health costs as far yeah. as drug costs yeah. and reduce your and reduce your yeah. death loss and 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 calls. Yeah, I would say I agree uh, that looking at this antimicrobial resistance, uh, it's a proactive thing at this point, I would say, um, that yes, it's it's recognizable when there is a problem and people um, may get a little excited when a, the first drug doesn't work. Mm -hmm. um, but in general, yeah, it's a, a more of a proactive movement for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and to speak of, like uh, Peter had mentioned about BVD, I've been here nine years and I could count on two hands how many BVD cases I've actually seen. Yeah. And seen and I understand 15, 20 years ago was a, da a daily yeah. occurrence. Yeah. Wow. You know, wow. so it really speaks of how how well that everybody has come through that. The vaccines have improved, yeah. the compliance has mm -hmm. improved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, that yeah, that that they were able to overcome that. 
And uh, so, uh, yeah, I think it's a nice thing that it's a proactive approach to this so we don't come mm-hmm. to that dramatic need yeah. <laughs> for something. Um, but it, I do believe that everybody, well, not, you know, in general there, it's on people's minds because it's been such a proactive topic. Mm-hmm. So people are open to it. I, I truly believe, especially like Peter says, there's a dollar value included in it. Yeah. And that makes it hit home even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I imagine some of the, especially to your point, Peter, is a lot, a lot of it might be education too. I remember even just this morning I had a conversation with one of the veal farmers that I worked with and they were going through, this is my treatment cascade. Should I not just start with the heavy hitter first? And I said, well, you know, usually you're not dealing, it's not usually a drug problem. Yes. It's usually just a management issue or starting with, you know, the inputs, the, the animal health yeah, inputs. I, I will or, say that like the, more, the more enlightened producers, even though they're not, they're not thinking in a microbial resistance, mm-hmm. what they're thinking is, what can I do to reduce my health costs, right? Mm-hmm. And then they start thinking, other than lowering the price of antibiotics, what yeah. else can we do? And exactly. you know, there's, there's, and I think with this, Antimicrobial, antimicrobial stewardship program. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's all of us thinking about it a, a bit more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is a lot of opportunities. I, I think that, um, you know, uh, if, if society tells us we have to start using less antibiotics, that'll focus us more. And I think the industry, as an industry and also as individual producers, we've got lots of other areas mm-hmm. where we can reduce our, 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 our health issues, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, one of them is sourcing lower risk cattle that we've yeah. talked a lot about. Yeah. You know, there's other management issues like how we transport our cattle. You know, if, if these calves are transported in a manner where they've got good bedding, a mm-hmm. good driver, and uh, and not crowded, the, the transport is not a huge stress, really? in yeah. my opinion anyway. Yeah. You know, how we treat these calves on arrival, you know, I've said for, for decades, you know, the higher the risk, the longer the bunk. You know, bunk, bunk space is is a is a huge factor as far as, as animal health risk. You know, a calf needs, you know, a typical 500 pound calf needs 18 inches of bunk space to, mm-hmm. to eat. If you have enough bunk space that every animal can eat, that that really makes a difference in the way we spot sick animals, mm-hmm. and also the way those animals, even those timid ones, those animals that are just, just starting to get sick, yeah. go in and start eating. The type, the type of diet we use on, on these calves, you know, how we start them. Mm-hmm. You know, can we can we spread enough feed out so they can all eat at once? Those, how much bedding we use in our pens? You mm-hmm. know, those are all issues. There's a there's a tremendous opportunity in um, um, uh, effective stockmanship. Mm-hmm. You know, it's called low stress stockmanship in some some areas. I like the phrase that's been used in, by some people of effective stockmanship. Effective stockmanship. And that does not mean just how we handle cattle going through the processing chute and how we load them in the truck. That's one part of it. There's a whole area of you know managing calves and trying to get them accustomed to uh, uh, to to the to the handlers mm-hmm. and having trust in the handlers and so on. It sounds it sounds out to left field, but it isn't. Mm-hmm. And not all of us can be as good as as these best you know effective uh, stockmen. Mm-hmm. But we can all learn from them. Mm-hmm. And so those are those are, are factors that we can start thinking about if we are sort of forced into it mm-hmm. in other ways, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if society tells us, you know what, we're not going to allow uh, the use of antibiotics that we were used to, mm-hmm. or or we start seeing more resistance, mm-hmm. then I've, the industry and producers can make the change. Mm-hmm. We're capable. Of make, we're, we are definitely capable of making the change. Mm-hmm. 
Excellent. So, so we've been asking this one kind of big picture question to a lot of the a lot of the people we've interviewed, guys. So I'll ask it to you. So wh where do you think the future is going for antibiotic use in, in farmed animals? We'll start with you, Peter. You have, you have a pretty good perspective on uh, on things. Where, where do you where do you where do you see the industry in, let's say, ten years? So the the cattle industry in ten years. And well, we won't said, do this. We won't as I said, I think we're I think we're fortunate because we still have effective antimicrobials mm -hmm. uh, in through that really difficult phase, that first move, that first move phase. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, I think that society, and I'm not sure how much they're going to, we're going to change, mm -hmm. but uh, some of our standard practices might not be considered um, reasonable. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, then I think the industry is, is not all doom and gloom, but that, then I think the industry has the ability to respond mm -hmm. through what we've talked about, management yeah, changes, yeah. sourcing our calves. You know, this, this will allow these there will be more of these prepared, uh, uh, you know, uh, health prepared calves available. Mm -hmm. Double vaccinated, yeah. vaccinated herds. They'll be more available. They'll they'll be sought after. Mm -hmm. uh, and management changes that we that we talked about: effective stockmanship, changing our, our rations, changing our bunk space, changing our densities. Mm -hmm. Those things will be utilized and will help us control our, our disease processes that right now we're using with with antimicrobials. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Thanks. We'll see in 10 years if I'm right or not. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Van? Well, I guess my take on it is, you know, I think there's education to be had on the other side as well. People mm -hmm. who are pushing for decreased antimicrobial use mm -hmm. need to understand that it has a very important role in our industry. Exactly. With, with uh, AW so, and everything. Exactly. Like totally. Yeah. Like I've been in barns where they're trying to do um, hormone-free, antibiotic-free, you know, just as organic as could be, mm -hmm. and I feel like in a lot of cases those animals need medical intervention to be healthy, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like, you know, that there's definitely education to be had on both sides, that mm -hmm. these products are here for not only for the producer to have success, to have success, but for the animal's welfare to mm -hmm. make them, make sure that these animals are healthy and happy. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I guess that's looking to the future. I, I hope that that's also an educational point for, mm -hmm. for outside people too, to mm -hmm. know about the industry. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, as far as it goes, looking to the future, you know, I truly believe that as long as we as a agriculture and livestock industry do this proactive work, that we can stay ahead of, um, mm -hmm. you know, the big issues that really come down with a hammer on us. The, with uneducated people you know mm -hmm. like we are doing our best right now and we're trying to teach and we're trying to learn and you know mm -hmm. so I guess I guess my thoughts are as long as we we continue doing this proactively I think we'll continue to be able to to be successful okay and there you have it thanks for listening today we hope you enjoyed the discussion Remember to keep checking back with us as we're going to continue to put new podcasts on this issue up on SoundCloud and the FAST website. And we're also working on other tools and resources for veterinarians and farmed animal owners, all focused on antimicrobial resistance and the practice of antimicrobial stewardship. So please stay tuned and check back at our website, www.amstewardship.ca, to get more information and up-to-the-minute facts on what's going on in Ontario with respect to stewardship. 
Now, FAST is a collaborative initiative between the Ontario Veterinary Medical Association, Acer Consulting, government, academic, and industry partners, and its mission is to improve antimicrobial stewardship in farmed animals, prepare farmed animal owners and their veterinarians for upcoming policy and regulatory changes, and preserve the efficacy of antimicrobials without compromising animal health or food safety. Thanks for listening.